Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on an early Thursday morning. Here we've got a great show planned. Blue Jackets forward Oliver Bjorkstrand is our guest today. He's off to a great start this season, playing a bigger role than he's ever played. And we'll talk to him about his great start, the team's great start. We'll also talk to him about playing in the Olympics, which is a first for Denmark's men's hockey team. And we'll take some of your questions via Twitter. Before we get to Ollie, got some news and notes from around uh, the NHL and the Blue Jackets, mostly the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets off to, a, as I said, terrific 7-3-0 start, matching a franchise record that's the most wins they've had through the first 10 games of a season. It gets a little more interesting than that, though. They've won three straight games, all of them after trailing through two periods. So at some point in the third period of each of their last three games, they have trailed and they've won all three. Now that's, that may not sound like a big deal. That just does not, just doesn't happen very often. It's never happened in team history that they've won three games in a row after trailing at some point in the third period. The NHL record for consecutive games like that is four. We're talking over a hundred years. So I don't think the Blue Jackets will set their sights on getting that record or matching that record necessarily Friday when they play the New York Rangers. They'd rather just have, or sorry, the Washington Capitals. They'd rather just have a um, more of a textbook approach, maybe get a nice early lead and, and uh, ride it out. Um, but it's it's pretty wild what this team has done. We're taking a, a deeper dive look at that in a story that should be posted uh, Thursday afternoon or Friday morning. Uh, other news and notes with the Blue Jackets. Jake Voracek missed Tuesday's practice with a non-COVID illness. Can't stress that enough. Uh, the Blue Jackets were off on Wednesday, so no indication yet if he'll be back on Thursday or not. No clue what it means for Friday's game against the Caps. Uh, Max Domi, in some COVID news, has been away from the club since October 31st. If you remember, the Blue Jackets played the Devils in New Jersey. He tested positive after that game and ended up stuck in New York, um, forced to quarantine. Now, at last check, he's back in Columbus. I think this was Tuesday was our last update. He's still quarantining, and he still needs to pass some tests, including a cardiac test, before he is cleared to play. So I, I would say Domi is unlikely this weekend, although I think we've probably all learned wisely to, to not count him out. He tends to come back 
uh, earlier than than most anticipate. Uh, defenseman Adam Bokvist has been out of the lineup since the Blue Jackets played in Carolina, which seems like it was a year and a half ago. Uh, it was actually only October 23rd. Um, he hasn't played since, though. He's missed five games, and it's a lower body injury. It looks like he's moving really, really well. Interesting comments from Brad Larson earlier this week, though, that Boquist doesn't just come back into the lineup immediately when he is healthy, that he may have to wait his turn. Um, he loves the way Gavin Bayreuther is playing. We'll see how this goes. We'll get a better sense of the lineup, of Friday's lineup in Thursday's practice. Um, but for right now, it sure looks like Boquist is close to coming back. We'll see what happens when he does. Uh, so let's get into this Oliver Bjorkstrand interview. He is, I'm always fascinated by this. Oliver is, a, is, as you know, you're a Blue Jackets fan if you're listening to this podcast. He's a hell of a talented player. And, but yet he's one of those guys that I, I think players gain a, a new level of respect, coaches as well, when they work with Bjorkstrand closely. We've heard that already from Voracek, heard it from Line a last year. Uh, heard it from assistant coach Pascal Vincent. This is a, a a very underrated, maybe underappreciated player, but he's starting to get that attention. So in this interview, we we talked, as we said, about how well he's playing, his uh, opportunity under coach Brad Larson. And you better believe the Olympics for Denmark, are, it's a big deal for, for Oliver. He played a huge role in them qualifying. So we'll get into that. And then we'll get into his backstory because it's an interesting one. Grew up in Denmark, of course made the big leap to the Western Hockey League to play with the Portland uh, Winterhawks and really exploded in the Western Hockey League. Um, it seems like he's been with the Blue Jackets forever. They drafted him in 2013, and uh, he's become a real real vital part of this organization. So uh, we'll, let's get to that, and uh, we'll talk to you on the other side. All right, joined now by Oliver Bjorkstrand, Blue Jackets forward. Blue Jackets off to a great start this season, as we've said. Oliver, you're off to a great start. 5, 8, 13, and 10 games. I think your ice time's higher than it's ever been. Uh, one of many Blue Jackets off to a great start. Tell me how you're feeling, how the team is feeling, just what the overall vibe is here the first few weeks of the season. I think, uh, I mean, speaking for a team, I think we feel good. Obviously, uh, we've come off to a good start. I feel like we've, um, you know, just been able to play some good hockey pretty consistently. There's been a few games where we hadn't been our best, but overall we've been really good and playing some good hockey. I think, um, you know, the reason why we're winning is a lot because we we're playing as a team and, and, uh, you know, finding a way together. So, uh, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a fun start. So, uh, I'd like to see that, uh, you know, keep going in that direction. It'd be a lot more fun at least. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're at 1821 per game. And I, I, we, you and I have had several conversations through the years, Many times it was about what do you have to do to get more ice time? The productions has always been there, honestly. This year, you're second in ice time among Blue Jackets forward, trailing only Mr. Do-Everything Boone Jenner. <laughs> you must be you must be delighted to be exhausted after games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think any player uh, never really complains about ice time. It obviously gives you more of an opportunity to help the team out there and and show you, uh, you know, everybody what you can do. So it's... Um, it's obviously nice, um, but, you know, it's, as far as the, the ice time, it's, it's been a process over years. I've had to gain the trust of obviously towards uh, for a lot of years. And, um, you know, that can take some time. And uh, now having Lars as the, the head coach and him being here throughout my whole NHL career, obviously he knows uh, 
uh, what type of player I am and uh, what I can do to help the team. So it's, uh, you know, he obviously uh, likes putting me out there and it's, uh, it's nice uh, getting that reassurance from him that, you know, he wants me to be a big part of the team. So, you know, I just, uh, I can't disappoint him. I just got to keep going and trying to, to, you know, play good hockey. So I, I keep getting that type of ice time. Yeah. Um, before last season started and it, last year was so weird. It actually started in January. So this would have been early January. You signed a contract extension with the Blue Jackets five years. That was a really important deal for that team, I felt, at that time, because there's so much uncertainty about who was here, who wanted to be here, who was on the move, who didn't want to be here, yada, yada. Why did you want to stay? Why were you willing to commit so far into the future? What was your, why were you in, moved to, to take that step? Um, well, I like the, I like the city of Columbus. Um, you know, I feel, uh, I don't know. I, I like the city here. It's, it's, um, it's an easy, easy city to live. Um, and I still think that it's, it's, there's things to do with, it's just a nice city overall. The people are nice. So, um, when you look at the outside of hockey, everything is good here. I think, um, weather could be a little bit better, but, <laughs> uh, but it, it's all right. Um, but as far as like the team and so on, I mean, I, I've, um, I don't know. I feel comfortable with the the organization, the team. Um, and I didn't really feel like I wanted to, uh, even really think about what it could be like somewhere else. I mean, sometimes you see guys go to other teams and it doesn't work out. And of course, sometimes it does work out, but for me, I feel like I've taken steps here in the right direction. Um, you know, they've gotten to know me, me and my character and, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't feel a need to, to try to, you know, find something that's greater somewhere else. I I'm comfortable here and, um, I like coming into the rink and just being a part of, uh, this organization. So obviously there's, there was, uh, you know, unknowns at the time as far as the future, but, um, you know, I like it here. Uh, and I, I believe that we would uh, figure something out as far as, you know, um, getting together a good team for the future and, you know, uh, right now it's, uh, you know, we're off to, to a good start. It's obviously yep. just the beginning of something, but, um, you know, I like what we have and, um, you know, looking at it now, I'm obviously happy with my decision. So, um, yeah, still happy about it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, one thing coming up on the horizon for you, I know you're worried about the, the task at hand, blue jackets versus Washington Friday, and you guys have had quite a light schedule. It's going to pick up in a, a very yeah. big way. There aren't too many back-to-back days off between now and the end of, January, so buckle up. But one thing that's on the horizon for you that I think is really interesting is uh, playing for Denmark at the 22 Olympics. And this is the first time Denmark has qualified for the men's Olympic uh, hockey main pool, correct? Yeah, the first time. So, yeah. So, I mean, wow, right? Like, yeah. is, that, is that the word? Yeah, no, um, I, I think uh, every hockey person in Denmark is super excited about us having a chance to compete in the Olympics. Um, you know, we, we're just excited to be there and obviously we're going to, you know, do our best to, uh, you know, put together a good tournament, but for us, it's, it's just the first step of being involved in a tournament like that and get to experience that and represent Denmark in, in the Olympics with hockey. So, um, no, we're, as a country, we're super excited about it and, um, we know it's not going to be easy. Obviously you're, we played in the world championships for a lot of, a lot of times and, um, you know, we play some good teams, but it's not going to compare to, you know, the, uh, the rosters we'll see at Olympics. It's the best teams, uh, you know, nations put together and uh, right. we're aware of that, but, uh, being a part of that and 
just having a chance to compete there is, is going to be um, just a, a great experience. And uh, yeah, we couldn't be more excited about it. And you're in Group B with Russia, Czech Republic, Switzerland. You've got some teammates that are going to be in that group with you. You're going to face. <laughs> yeah. How yeah, weird is that going to be? Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be an experience for sure. Um, but I don't know. Once you get out there, I, I don't pay attention too much to that stuff. But um, it'll be fun. I mean, um, I like being competitive against guys you know, and and uh, yeah. hope, hopefully getting bragging rights. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we're going to be the underdog, so uh, we have nothing to lose. So pressure's on them. Yeah, yeah. Seventeen skaters from Denmark have played in the, in the NHL, the history of the NHL. Eight of them currently. What's the state of 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 hockey Denmark, and and how big could something like this be? Just a a, a seat at the Olympic table, yeah. in terms of getting more people, more young guys to to consider playing. Um, well, it just spreads awareness of hockey. I mean, I think um, you know you need to you need to uh, create headlines, uh, you know, in front of the country and and positive things with with the sport for it to to open up the eyes for young kids and and for them to say, hey, I want to play hockey. Um, we still have a ways to go. I mean, hockey's really not that big there. There's, I don't know how many hockey rinks there are, but you have to be kind of fortunate to be in a city where there's a hockey rink. I think we have between 12 and 15, um, where 12, 11 of them are like pro arenas that are whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there really isn't, you know, that much opportunity for kids to play hockey. So, you know, we need to spread awareness about it. Um, and, you know, making the Olympics is is, is a good uh, way to create a headline and, um, you know, for kids to open up their eyes. So, you know, now next, next step for us is um, to put together a good tournament and, and have some upsets against some, te- some good teams and get the media to talk about it because, you know, that, that's what we need. They, they don't they don't talk that much about it. So it's definitely an area that uh, I wish that they would uh, talk more about. But yeah. yeah, well, maybe this is it. Uh, yeah. Just some some backstory on you. When you were you were born in 1995, Oliver, I don't need to tell you that, but you're at the time your father Todd Bergstrand was a absolute star in the in the uh, Danish top league. Yeah, hundred point seasons. That's obviously your how you got into hockey. But what was it? What was it like for you? What What was the uh, hockey sort of the dawn of your hockey playing? Was it just going to the rink with your father and? being around it what what opportunities did you have that maybe the typical dane wouldn't have yeah i mean i'm i come from a city um where hockey culture and, and what we had going on at the rink and herning uh where my dad played was um turning into something really good and that's why you see a lot of the uh, actually a decent amount of the, the players that played in nhl or made it to pros in different leagues are from my city um, so there's a good hockey culture there to begin with, which I, my dad helped uh, create there when he got there. Um, but for me, obviously, he was, you know, really passionate about hockey. He still is. He's a coach now. Um, but growing up with him in my very young years, years, um, him playing, obviously, got me really into hockey. And, and um, you know, most of my life really revolved around hockey. So he definitely got me into that. And then once he was done, he was a coach. So um, it was always hockey. Uh, he got me into it. He, uh, you know, he, he taught me everything pretty much. I know at at the young age. Uh, so no, most of my, uh, my childhood was hockey. And obviously that's, you know, because of him and how much he was uh, into hockey as well. Yeah. 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 And you made the leap from Denmark to the Western hockey league in 12, 13, uh, to play with the Portland winter Hawks. How 
big of a step did that feel like at the time? How stressful was that? I assume there was not a, a language barrier. Your English, you grew up in a family that probably spoke both languages? Yes, we spoke both, yeah. Okay. What was that like going, and that's, you're going literally to the other side of the world to play yeah. hockey. What was that like when you were 18 years old? Yeah, it's uh, I don't, it's not an easy uh, step to make. Um, you know, you're moving away from your family and, and uh, what you're familiar with. Uh, uh, the language barrier was was easy. What It wasn't a problem, but just being away from your family and, and uh, you know, your where you're comfortable, I guess, is always a big step. Um, but for me, I, I knew at that time that I wanted to uh, pursue hockey and my dream was to make it to the NHL. And I, I really wanted to get drafted. And um, for me, that was just the best step for me um, to go to the Western Hockey League and, and, and play hockey. There. There's, there's scouts at every game. Uh, you're able to be seen. So if you're good enough, you'll, you'll most likely get drafted. Um, staying in Denmark wouldn't have... Uh, you know, you can you can still get drafted, and it's better now out of Denmark. But um, you don't you don't see uh, you don't see a lot of scouts come there. If a scout comes, yeah. it'll be in the newspaper. So <laughs> it's it's a big deal. So um, yeah, it just felt like it was a choice I had to make. So I was I was um, yeah, I wanted to make that sacrifice. Was it an easy adjustment, or was it like you know what have I gotten myself into here the first couple of weeks before you you settled in? Um, no, once you get there and and. Uh, you settle in with your billet family and, and I had a roommate from on the team um, that I live with as well. Um, everybody was nice. It, it was fairly easy. Of course, at times when you're, when you're young like that, you miss family and sure. your, your surroundings at home, but um, I had a good experience. So for me, it, it went pretty smoothly and um, you, you spend so much time at the rink anyways and, and with the guys. So um, it's not like you have time to really think too much about home and, I knew what my goal was, and um, that helped me a lot, too. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And I love the uh, backstory. It's kind of convoluted. I'll try to be clear about it. For the first several years of the Blue Jackets organization, Bob Strum was the director of pro scouting. Mm -hmm. And there was a turnover here. One GM out, I believe... He survived the first. He worked under Scott Housen for a couple of years and then was let go. He ended up working for the Portland Pirates, uh, Portland Winterhawks, sorry. And in his uh, scouting, looking for international talent, a former Blue Jackets scout is who discovered Oliver Bjorkstrand, who then ends up being drafted by the Blue Jackets long after the scout has left the organization. But I know Bob Strum is incredibly proud of, of you. Yeah. Um, he, he, I think he sees you as his, as his crown jewel. 
Uh, also gave you the maestro nickname, and I wonder yeah. how you feel about that nickname. You could easily be the Great Dane. That's the easy yeah. one that everybody throws out. Maestro is a hell of a nickname. Uh, do you like it? Is it a burden? What, no, I, I actually, think about it. I think it's funny. I like I like it. Um, I think it's it's kind of crazy though how it's just like kind of faded away, but always kind of comes back. Um, yeah, I, I see it. Obviously, mostly I, I see the mentions on Twitter or anything, but. It's kind of like an on and off uh, nickname, um, but I don't have a problem if that gets uh, if that gets bigger. So I like the maestro. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, first pro year, all you do is you go to the American Hockey League and you win the Calder Cup. Yeah, Man, that's a pretty good experience to turn in pro. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it was a great year. Um, you have a lot to learn when you go from juniors to to pros. So, um, no, that was a, a really good learning experience for me as far as being a pro and and um just being on a winning team too i mean you, you can't take it for granted when you when you're able to be on a team that wins a championship regardless of what level it's at because you never know when you're going to win again so um for me that was um yeah looking back at it, it was it was a great year we had a unbelievable playoff run and being a part of that and winning a championship for uh the monster fans was uh yeah one of my my top experiences in hockey so um, yeah, I really cherish that. That's awesome. Now your first NHL coach, you didn't exactly get to ease your way into an NHL career, Oliver. <laughs> your first NHL coach was John Tortorella. Um, can you prepare for that? Now he's not the boogeyman that a lot of people make him out to be for sure. But what was that like? What were, what was your level of angst? Like realizing that he was going to be your first coach, given all that's built up around the man. Um, I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of exciting. I mean, um, he's obviously a big name coach and, uh, he has a strong personality. Uh, you've seen him before <laughs> before he became the coach. You've obviously seen his YouTube clips of sure. him getting angry and all the classic stuff. That's all fun. Um, I don't know. I don't think I, I thought too much about it. Um, more so, I, I don't know. My my dad played college with him in, in University of Maine for, right. for a year. So I thought it was kind of funny that my, my dad uh, you know knew him that way. Um, but no, I didn't think too much about it. For me, it was just trying to find a way to make it to the NHL. I knew that obviously you had thoughts in your head that, okay, how, what's he going to be like? Is he going to freak out and, and all that stuff? And you turn it over or whatever. But um, I don't know. You learn to deal with it. And there's definitely a few times he, he let you know. So, um, yeah. but yeah, didn't think too much about it. Yeah. Now, you've always spoken uh, highly about him and how much you learned from him, but also from Artemi Panarin. I wrote about this just a couple weeks ago, but just for the people who maybe didn't read that, but are, are listening now, you looked at Artemi Panarin. I get this. It's not that you guys didn't get along. You just weren't super close as teammates. Nothing wrong with that. It just is what it is. But you learned a ton from him just watching him play a guy your size, playing a style that you figured you should work hard to emulate. Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think it was just also a combination of torts, like telling me to look at him with his compete level. Um, and how he uh, he was always competing out there and wanting to win the puck. So um, it was just an easy comparison for me to kind of uh, look at. At the time, he was playing really good hockey. I was trying to find my way, at, you know, in the lineup. Um, you know, in those years, I was always kind of like up and down with ice time and this and that. So towards wanting me to, to look at him uh, as far as um, how hard he competes and in battles and, and um, how he wins his battles and all that. So I think that those are the main things that I was trying to um, watch him live and, and, and learn from. So, um, as far as the skill level and all that stuff, I think we're different players. So it's hard to really, 
uh, copy that. He's he's um, he's a little bit of a different player than I am as far as that. Um, but the way he competed out there was um, was a good comparison for me to look at. Uh, you know, since we're kind of same same height and uh, weight and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that definitely helped me out. Um, but throughout the years, I mean, I've I've tried to pick up things from a lot of different players as far as you know what can make me a better player and what it takes to be a good NHL player. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oliver, last year was your first full season where you did not experience the playoffs. Is that correct? Yeah. Was that tough? I mean, of course it's tough, but um, how how difficult was it to get used to when you're you're just used to having that at the end of every year? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I was fortunate to be you know coming on a team when in Columbus here when they started you know creating something well and uh, made the playoffs and so on. So I was fortunate to be on you know a team that was always fighting for a playoff spot and right there and making it. So last year was um, a good reminder of how much it sucks to not make playoffs and, um, you know, how much less fun it is not uh, or playing hockey when, when you're not competing for a playoff spot. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it, I don't know, it was, it was a good reminder of um, why you work hard in the summers and why you want to, um, you know, have a team that <laughs> competes for the playoffs and makes the playoffs because it's just that much more fun playing hockey. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Blue Jackets forward Oliver Bjorkstrand. Back to the uh, here and now. What is the difference with you guys on the power play? Um, it, it feels like there's a different vibe. I know there's different personnel in different places, different system a little bit maybe, but what's going on with that and why this this uh, sort of air of excitement around it? Um, well, I think we. Um, it just seems like a little bit of a, yeah, a new way we're approaching it. Um, We've obviously stick with the same line now, the power play line for since um, the end of camp. Um, so I think that that can help us out, um, you know, with kind of knowing how we all move on the ice and so on. I think that helps. I think um, bringing uh, Passy in and, and him coming in with some new ideas and, uh, and communicating different things to the power play has helped though. And then obviously I think uh, getting Borchek on the team, um, him being on a, you know, have a lot of experience on being on a great power play in, in, in Philadelphia. Uh, and him just coming in, kind of being the quarterback, um, you know, and being able to set it up and so on. So I just think it's, um, yeah, I don't know. We, we've just, uh, clicked a little bit better with, with the unit. And I think we, um, I just think those pieces have just kind of opened up something new here. And I'm obviously hoping we can keep on, uh, you know, performing out there. That That's the key. It's yeah. still early. For sure. It's still early in all ways. You're 7-3-0. I think it's safe to say you're one of the surprise teams in the NHL to many people. Uh, the big question is, can you guys keep it going? What are your thoughts on that? Is is this a is this start to this season emblematic of something? Is this a hot streak? Um, is there any reason you can't keep it going? I mean, there's no reason we can't keep it going. I think uh, I think we're pretty clear about what it's going to take for us to keep going in this direction. I just think it's going to be every man buying into their role and, and doing their job. I think uh, uh, for us to win, we have to play as a team. We have to compete hard like we have been in, in the games we've won. Um, I don't think we're a team that, you know, can have too many off nights and, and end up scoring uh, uh, a ton of goals and getting away with a win. I think it's, it's going to take hard work. So yeah, that's kind of up to us, but you know, there's no reason we can't do it, but at the same time, you know, we, we, uh, uh, we can't sit back and just relax. We got to, we got to keep going and, and, um, 
yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, I think it's pretty simple. It's got to be a team effort here. So yeah, we've got to we'll finish up here with a few questions from readers. I'm I'm saving the best ones for last year. We just have a few. Um, who was your favorite player growing up? Wonders Jason Scope, Cincy Jackets, FA one favorite player growing up. Um, ah, yeah, I get that question a lot. I never really know who to say. I mean, I feel like I bounce all over the place when I get that question, but uh, <laughs> I. I don't know. Early years, I think uh, I used to watch Minnesota Wild. My dad's from Minnesota, so I was I was a little bit of a Wild fan. So in the early years, maybe Marion Kaepernick. Um, yeah. I, I always liked Miko Koivu. I don't know if he was my favorite player, but I was just a Minnesota fan, so I tended to kind of uh, gravitate towards players from there. Um, I don't know. You have players like Yager. Uh, sure. Yeah, and then I mean, the early years, it was always not necessarily that they were my favorite players, but it's always fun to watch when when Crosby and uh, Ovechkin got into the league just that, that kind of um two young guys coming in and just being studs from the beginning so right. Um, right. yeah uh this one from Madigan O'Brien at Madigan O'Brien is there an energy difference in the room this season compared to last um yeah I think uh I think the fact that we're, we got a lot of new pieces in uh we have a young team guys want, wanting to prove themselves I think uh there's you know a good energy this year so um, yeah, I feel that. And I think that's, um, uh, that's a part of our success here early on. So, uh, definitely feel a good uh, energy. Uh, this one is from optimistic jackets fan. Got to respect that at, <laughs> at Merlin Merles. And, uh, he wonders who is the hardest player to play against one goalie, one forward, one defenseman. Okay. That's a good, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, goalie. I don't know. For me, <laughs> for me, the hardest goalie to play against is my uh, fellow countryman, Frederick Anderson. Uh, I uh, never, I go. haven't, I haven't scored on him yet. So, uh, right? Yeah. So I, I, I got them. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get a goal on him this year. Um, so I, I think yeah, he always plays well at least against me. So for me, that's that's the hardest goalie to play against. Uh, defenseman, there's a few, but I mean, I think. I think Headman is probably one of the hardest ones to play against. He's just good skater. He's big. Um, so big. And just sees the sees the ice well. So um, he knows what you're doing out there. So that makes it uh, difficult. Um, as far as hardest player to play against, um, I, I think uh, I don't know. I mean, I know last year maybe he got shut down a little bit in the playoffs, but I think when you play McDavid, I just think there's so much attention on him. And he's so fast yeah. and so on. So I think. For me, I kind of look to him that that's hard to defend sometimes if he's on his game. So um, I pick him. Yeah, good answers. Uh, this from John Poston at CBJ Post. How is it that you have virtually no accent? Of all the Scandinavian players, I, I think Gustav Nyquist kind of falls in this too. Yeah. But you don't you don't have a discernible accent. Someone wouldn't listen to you and say, he is from Denmark. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's what we talked about earlier. My dad's. Uh, I'm dual citizenship. My dad's American. He um, uh, he knows a little. He knows Danish, but he's he uh, he spoke English with me uh, from when I was born. So um, that kind of helped me a little bit. But you'll 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 hear me slip up a few times here and there. Uh, yeah. You'll hear that I'm from Europe, so I'm not perfect in, in speaking. But um, yeah, I am aware that it's, it's it's pretty close to American accent. So it's pretty impressive. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, not that it's necessarily a good thing, but it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, this from M at Possum Pal, and this is our last question. 
Uh, M says, I am in culinary school and have an international cuisine course this semester. Tragically, we have no Denmark day, but can you recommend your favorite Danish dish? Oh, favorite Danish dish. And I'm going to write this down too. Um, my favorite Danish dish is probably what we get for Christmas. Um, so we get, uh, it's a long one. So we get, uh, we get duck for Christmas. So I like, this is my grandma who prepared for me. So she makes it really good. We'll do the duck. Um, then we'll do a pork. It's a different type of pork. So I don't know what cut it is. Um, I don't, it's not a cut you would necessarily get in the States, but it's pork. Then we get, uh, this normal yellow potatoes and then these and we also make uh small potatoes where it's uh, coated in basically sugar so they're really sweet so you wouldn't okay too many um and then uh, we get like brown sauce on it and then there'll be some vegetables and stuff but that that's that's like my classic like um danish uh christmas uh dinner meal that i really enjoy having every year and does this meal have a name like a name no. that encompasses the whole of it Okay. Yeah, Christmas. I think it's just it. It that's what probably is the most common thing to get in Denmark for Christmas. I think. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. Excellent. Hey, Oliver. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. No. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah. Well, I think we learned a lot today. Appreciate your time as always. Yeah. And uh, I'll see you over at the rink here. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, thanks buddy. Well, thanks to Oliver Bjorkstrand for his time. Hope you enjoyed that interview. I did. Um, Oliver's a, as you can tell, a Quite a humble, humble and honest kid. And uh, he's uh, really starting to emerge in this league. I thank him for his time. Thank you for your questions. Those always help the uh, the interview. It's always good to know what you are wanting to know about these guys. Um, so we'll keep going. We'll talk to you on uh, next week, Wednesday or Thursday. Thanks for listening to Front and Nationwide. Have great weeks. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.